Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. This morning we're celebrating Palm Sunday, which is in the church calendar, um, the, the, the Sunday that celebrates when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, his last week into Holy Week, and on, on a donkey, not a military horse. And he comes into Jerusalem to get to the cross and die for our sins and for our life. And so that's what we're celebrating this Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. And next week is Easter. Easter's amazing. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the birth of new creation, the, 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 um, the kind of the final stamp of God ushering his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven um, through the, the death of his son um, and through the, his resurrection. And I realize that we celeb- we are mo- most, most of us are Easter people. We love celebrating the highs, the joys, most of us, maybe not. But we, have, we, we're, we love to party and experience like good things. We like to numb ourselves out to the bad things. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Did I just touch a nerve already? Sorry about that. Um, um, but today, I, I, I simply, I wanted to um, bring the cross just front and center and celebrate, um, not really celebrate, I suppose, but really reflect on uh, the story of the cross. And so uh, we're going to create space to really um, interact, I suppose, is the best way to describe it, uh, with the story of the cross. So if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Mark chapter 15. We've been in a series called Real Jesus, and we've been looking at the life, the message, and mission of Jesus Christ. And we're trying to awaken ourselves to the scriptures and what the scriptures teach about him and try to apply the fact that his life and his message and mission are for us here and now today. And so today, uh, last week, if you missed last week, I don't recommend listening to it. It's not for the faint of hearts. Um, no, I do recommend it. It was a, it was a sermon about Jesus' last teaching in the book of, uh, book of Matthew on, on loving the least of these. And so we're, we move from there into the story of the cross in Mark chapter 15. So you're in Mark 15 right now. The scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Um, but before we go there, you need to know a little bit about this, the gospel of Mark. Mark um, is written by a guy named John Mark, around 60-ish A.D. Um, it's written uh, through the dictation and the oversight of the apostle Peter, um, and it's written with the purpose and intent of encouraging the persecuted church in Rome. And so Mark writes this book, uh, which is really the life and message and mission of Jesus. And it's a narrative on his life and ministry and his death and his resurrection. And it's written as a way to encourage the church to keep going for it. And it's written in a very Roman way. And what that means, it's like an, an action film. Uh, that's the best way to describe Roman style. It was quick to the point. It's fast paced. It's like, if you see action films, it's like cutting every five seconds, right? Or not, every like 30 seconds. You, like, there's a new screen, there's a new shot. Everything's moving quickly. And that's, that's how Mark writes his narrative of the life of Jesus. And what you need to know is um, as, as he writes with kind of the Roman antiquity in mind, um, he spends 10 chapters of the gospel of Mark writing on three and a half years or so of Jesus's life and mission, or life and mission while he was alive. So 10 chapters of 16 chapters dedicated to three and a half years. And then we get to chapter 11 and 
the first 10 chapters are fast-paced, moving quickly, you're jumping around, and we get to chapter 11, and it's six chapters on Jesus' last week. Everything in Mark's gospel up until chapter 11 was moving fast, and now it slows down. And in Mark's gospel, it's really important to notice this because everything becomes intentional. Every, everything he writes is intentional, it's specific, um, and he, 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 he pays attention to details in ways that he didn't pay attention to details in the first 10 chapters. You could almost say that the way Mark is written, it's as if he starts with Jesus' announcement of the kingdom and he's moving super fast until, until he gets to the cross. And everything is moving here. And he slows down. And so in chapter 11, we read about Jesus coming in to Jerusalem as the king, Messiah. And he comes in on a donkey, not on a military horse. And, and he does what other messianic figures did. He, the first thing he does is what? He goes straight to the temple because that's where the Messiah should go. And he goes there and rather than talking about the Roman Empire, he turns tables upside down and says, my house is a house of prayer, not a den for thieves and robbers. And Jesus goes and he, he has the Lord's Supper and he's betrayed and he's arrested. And we, we get to 15 in the Gospel of Mark. And um, I just want to read this together this morning. Verse 1, we're, what we're going to do is just look at the, the story of the cross have some time of reflection and then respond with worship. Does that sound like a good time? So just like 20, 22 more minutes is all I need from you, okay? Very early, we'll see about that. Uh, sometimes I lie when it comes to time, forgive me. Uh, very early in the morning, this is verse one. The chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. So we slow down in Mark's gospel and it's, it's getting to the point where Jesus is now handed over by the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin court. That's basically the Jewish leading class, the, the rulers of Jerusalem and Israel. They basically conspire against Jesus and they hand him over to Pilate. Now, this is where Pilate is introduced in the story. And what you need to know about Pilate, and it's really important to know what his sole purpose is. Pilate is a Roman governor, okay? He oversees Israel in the Middle East as a region and his sole task and purpose in the Roman Empire is to have keep the peace in the Middle East. And just like 2,000 years ago, like it is today, the Middle East was full of all sorts of conflict, massive uh, uh, revolts and, and wars, and it was a place, um, Israel or, or Palestine, um, right now, like it is now, it has been, it, up until this point, had been conquered by almost every empire in human history. Unfortunately for the Israelites, e the Egyptians conquered them, um, the Greeks conquered them, the Assyrians and Persians conquered them, the Seleucids conquered them, and eventually the Romans come onto the scene as a strong military force that they were, and they establish uh, the Israel, Israel as their kind of part of their Roman Empire and kingdom. And 
Uh, in 60 BC, they conquered Jerusalem. And in 40 BC, now pay attention to this history, it's really important. They establish a, a, a puppet king over Israel, and his name is Herod the Great. So 40 years before Jesus is born, there's this, there's this king who's established into authority over Israelites, and the governor of, of Rome would govern over local leadership like the Herods. Are you with me? So that was 40 BC. Now, um, what you need to know about Israel as a place, as a land, a piece of land, is that there were so many revolts in its history um, that we have records outside of the scriptures of, in history of, of various leaders coming around and, and defeating the occupying forces that occupied their land. So around 130 BC, just stay with me just for a moment. I just want to paint a picture. Um, the sole purpose of Pilate is to keep peace. And how the Romans did that is really important. But 130 BC, before the Romans get there, the Syrians are occupying Israel. And they went into Jerusalem, they occupy the city, um, and they go into the temple of Israel, and they dedicate the temple to Zeus. They have all these false idols. And there was a three-year guerrilla war campaign against the Syrians that ends with a man named Judas Maccabee. Anyone heard of the Maccabees? He comes in after a three-year guerrilla campaign and defeats the Syrians. And the first thing he does after defeating them with military power is he goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple of all the false idols. And there is a massive parade and celebration and festival all over Jerusalem. And what people do is they run to the fields and they grab palm branches and they lay them down in the street as the military victor whose nickname was Judah the Hammer, isn't that a clever name, um, comes Judas Maccabee as he parades with his military horse. And that's how the Messiah figures before Jesus' day operated. They defeated the enemies of Israel, they cleansed the temple, and they paraded around and ruled for a short period of time, hoping that God would usher in a new era and life like the Old Testament promise, but every single Messiah figure up until Jesus and just like Jesus was murdered, killed, or died. And God didn't restore what he promised. Are you with me? There's another guy named Simon the Star. There's all sorts of, which I love these names are like baseball cards, like Judah the Hammer. And I got Simon the Star or whatever it is. And, and there are these figures throughout history. And why is that important? Because um, Rome comes in and it was the most brutal empire known to man. In 4 BC, around the time that Jesus was born, there was a revolt during Romans occup the Roman occupation of Israel in a place called Sephorus. And in Sephorus, there was a bad Jewish revolt and the Romans came so hard and dominated the Sephorus people, the Jewish revolt, that they crucified, in one day, they crucified 3,000 Jewish men. 3,000 Jewish men in one day were hung on crosses because that's how Rome brought peace to their empire. Conquest and military victory. The one job Pilate has is to keep revolutionaries and revolts from happening. Are you with me? So here we are, Pilate, the Roman governor, his sole task is to bring peace. And let's read verse six now with me. Um, it, it says this, now it was the custom at the festival 
to release a prisoner whom the people requested. So it's around the Passover festival. And one of the things the Romans did is they would release one prisoner around that time because it was a huge religious festival. And if, the, if you were a devout Jew and saw Roman occupation, it would cause all sorts of strife. Would you, would you agree with me on that? And so a way of alleviating that was to release a prisoner once a year during the festival. So that was a custom that took place. And so a man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did, which was to release a prisoner. So we're introduced to another character in the story. His name is Barabbas. So we have Jesus known for what? Healing, giving sight to the blind, curing all illnesses, preaching God's love, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and walking, welcoming them in. A message of grace, of God's kingdom, of life. His last message in Matthew was go and take care of those who are hungry and thirsty, those who are naked, clothe them, those who are strangers, invite them in, those who are ill and in prison, go and visit them. That's the Jesus we're talking about. Jesus, and then there's Barabbas. Barabbas, what do we know about Barabbas? A rebel, who was part of a murder. He murdered somebody and helped lead an uprising, an insurrection. He's shackled in prison under Roman guard and he's waiting his just punishment for his guilty crimes. And most likely, Barabbas, as a revolutionary that he was, was going to be executed on the cross. Are you with me? So the crowd begins to stir release one of the prisoners. And the story continues. Verse nine, this is Pilate speaking. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Knowing it was out of self-interest that, that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate, but they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Pilate released Barabbas and he has Jesus flogged and he hands Jesus over to be crucified. And this is the story that Mark tells. And the story goes on. And I just, I have a list of things that take place. Uh, Jesus is shackled. And I was, um, I brought chain. I went to Home Depot the other day. And I tried to buy the heaviest chain. Because I, I, I was an actor and I love, uh, I, as a learner, I want to feel and touch things. And, and I thought, what would it feel like to be shackled? So I just played around with this. And uh, I held it. So Jesus is shackled. And uh, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was flogged, which is brutal. It's, it's a, a type of um, whip that has leather knots with sometimes glass and pieces of metal. And if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, it does a decent job of describing what crucifixion would have been like under Roman rule. He was uh, spit on. This is all in the scriptures. He was struck in the face. Uh, and told to prophesy, 
who hit him. He was stripped naked. He was insulted. He was humiliated. He was questioned. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was denied by one of his closest friends. And eventually, they take nails that would have been long. I just wanted to, I wanted to carry these this week. And he took some nails, and they hammer into his wrists and feet him, Jesus, to a wooden cross. And that's the story that Mark tells, is the story of Jesus going, being stripped naked, hammered to a, a piece of wood. He's dying what was a barbaric death. It's basically being tortured to death. It was a shameful death. The cross was the ultimate demonstration of humiliation during the first century. You wouldn't even use the word. A famous writer named Cicero says we shouldn't even use the word cross because the word itself is so offensive. It's a, it's a slave's death. It's the ultimate sign of defeat. And this is the way that Mark writes the story, capturing the death of Jesus. In Roman antiquity, the way someone dies speaks to how they lived. And so in Roman antiquity, there, there, if you write about a Caesar a, or a general and how they died in war, they will, they will explain it in detail. So it's no surprise that Mark spends six chapter mapping out with all these details of how our Messiah was crucified, which would have been so offensive in the first century. It doesn't make sense to us. We have no context because we get them tattooed and we wear them as, as ornaments around our neck. But this was, this was the worst form of death that anyone could experience. It was basically, what's the longest way someone can stay alive while they're dying? That's what the crucifixion was. And it's amazing. In other parts of the scripture, Jesus is literally getting his wrist hammered with a nail into the cross. And as he's being murdered, he says, Father, forgive them. As he experiences the worst possible human condition, he, he's, he's on the cross dying and there's criminals on his right and left. One of them insults him and the other one says, remember me in the kingdom. And he says, hey, you'll be with me in my kingdom. As he's dying, he extends grace and forgiveness and inclusion into something that nobody deserved. That's how he died. That's the story as we reflect on the cross. It's the story of Jesus' death. It's amazing. But there's this one verse that sticks out to me more than other verses, and it happened last year. And it comes in verse 15. And I thought, Mark is very intentional about the way the story goes, and he explains specific details in the last part of Jesus' death and life. But during his ministry, he leaves out all sorts of things that Luke includes, John includes, and Matthew includes. So why does Mark have this story particularly in there? And there's this one line that stuck out, and it's this. It's verse 15. And it says this. It says in verse 15, Pilate released Barabbas. Pilate released Barabbas. Barabbas was released. Barabbas was released. He was set free. The murderer 
the rebel, the terrorist, the man deserving his just punishment and death is let off the hook. Barabbas was released. And this isn't like an interruption to the story. This is the story of the cross. This is the most important thing to highlight. Barabbas was released. He was set free. Barabbas. It doesn't make sense to include that except for what Mark is doing on purpose. We have to see that Barabbas was released. We have to be in the story and understand the injustice, how unfair and scandalous the gospel really is. Barabbas was released is the shortest way of describing the gospel. Romans chapter five, for God demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. We need to see the injustice. We need to experience how unfair and unworthy and undeserving Barabbas really was to capture what Jesus was doing in the moment of his worst experience on earth. Jesus, what did he do? He healed people. He cast out demons. He liberated people. He preached the gospel to the poor. He included everyone. He forgived over and over again. And Barabbas, he's a murderer. He's a rebel. He's, he, he was plotting an insurrection. He's literally a terrorist. And, and I think that's the point. That's the point. We have to see that Barabbas doesn't compare to Jesus. Barabbas can't compare to the message of grace and goodness that Jesus, the life that is truly life, the eternal life, this teacher, this man who was sinless. Barabbas doesn't compare. He can't compare. And that's the point. You know why? Because I am Barabbas. And this is what Mark is doing. You are Barabbas. We are Barabbas in the, in the story of the cross. You see, this is what's so important and un imaginable. I think what you have to see is a story for itself. You have, to, you have to imagine being in that moment. You have to imagine being in the story. Put yourself in the story and see yourself standing there shackled. Guilty as charged. Captured, waiting judgment. Waiting the death for your guilty sins. There's no way out. You have been found guilty. And the crime, I'm sorry, the punishment that fits the crime is death on a cross. And imagine there, just, I want you to imagine, and I just, I had this image in my head. I want you to imagine yourself standing there. The crowds cheering. Barabbas. And you look across the way, Jesus, innocent. And the guards, they come over to you. Maybe you feel your bare, bruised wrists, scabbed from the heavy weight of your guilty condemnation. And you stand there looking at Jesus as they begin to mock and punch him. And they take your warm chains and they put them on Jesus. And they begin to beat him and flog him. And you get shoved by a Roman guard as they say, go, you're free. 
And you watch. As you walk home, Jesus walks to Golgotha, a place of skull, a place for rebels, thieves, and murderers, a place for slaves and criminals. And you walk home free. This is the story of the cross. Barabbas was released. Barabbas was released. We need to be reminded over and over again of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Jesus willingly took the place of murders and rebels, willingly took the place of the worst kinds of people, willingly took the place of Barabbas. And that's the story of the cross. And, and maybe some of you are hearing it. It's just a beautiful picture of what's going on. And all you can do is just accept it, right? Just accept it. Receive it. Some of you, maybe you're like me, and it, there's a wrestle going on. If you can put yourself in that situation, you just, there's a wrestling going on. You, and and you, as you look at that innocent Jesus, you say, Jesus, there's no way, there's no way you can do this. You can't take this. These are my chains. This is my anger. This is my pride. This is my lust. This is my broken relationships. This is my insecurity. This is my fear. This is my sin and my shame. And Jesus says, yes, let me have him. Let me have your sin. Let me have your shame. Let me have your pain. Let me have all your brokenness. Let me have all the stuff that weighs you down. Let me have it and go. Go, I got this. And we struggle, we wrestle. No, there's no way. It's not good. It can't happen. And he just says, go, go, be free. Live your life. Go in all that you were meant to be. I've got this. It's not for you now. Because Barabbas was released. And brothers and sisters, the cross, the story of the cross, the reflection of the cross, as we have to at some point get to the place where you recognize that Jesus says, go and be free. Barabbas was released. It's too good to be true. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't do enough for it. You can't buy it. You can't achieve it. You can't win it. No discipline, no good deed, no right thinking, no scientific system, no marriage, no amount of money, no car, no house, no philosophy, no yoga, no spiritual path will ever save you. Only the kind grace of a loving God who takes the place of Barabbas will save you. Jesus comes to save you. He comes to free you. He comes to let you go home, to let you off the hook. And brothers and sisters, Barabbas was released. That is the gospel message. It's too good. It's way too good to be true. But it is the Christian story. And so for us to celebrate Easter, we have to, we have to remember the cross, that we deserve it but he took our place. That Jesus comes to take your place so that you can live the life that he designed you to live in perfect relationship with him, relationship with others, relationship with yourself, right relationship with yourself. How many of you want peace inside? Jesus comes to give that to you. And the cost, well, it's not free. It cost him everything. But all you have to do is accept it and go be free. That's 
why Mark puts Barabbas in the story. So we can see the living, breathing testimony of the gospel. Amen? So this is Christianity. And this is what I wanted to reflect on. As a church, for the, last, for the next 30 minutes or so, the story of God who takes the place of murderers, rebels, and liars, and thieves, and everything else in between. A Christian God who loves you just as you are and not as you should be. And this is our story. The story of the Son of God taking the place of all the sons and daughters of the Father. The word Barabbas is Greek, and it's the Hellenized name for the Aramaic name Bar Abba, son of the Father. Jesus, son of God, takes the place of all the sons and daughters of the Father. Barabbas was released. So, I want to respond. As we, um, I want you to carry the weight this week. I want you to carry the death of Jesus this week. I want you to feel the weight of shackles and nails. I want you to experience um, and interact with this picture of all that is good and beautiful and true of Christianity. I was at Beach Streets um, this yesterday thousands of people on Broadway. We were standing outside our church office, which happens to be on Broadway, and there was one interaction between a girl in our church named Jamie and this, this, this one person who, who, who thought we were um, a gardening service of some sort because of the name. <laughs> and uh, this one, our, a girl from our church was interacting with her and wanted her to come to Alpha, and she, she found out we were a church, basically, and said, not just no, but hell no. And I was just so heartbroken for this woman because of the, whatever reason the church represents all sorts of brokenness. And in that moment, I realized that the story she missed is this story. All that is good and beautiful and true is found in Jesus and he lives. And we gotta get out of the way of misrepresenting that message, amen? Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about The Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.